Okay, let's say our confession. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I am who it says I can be. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the incorruptible word. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, you're so good and you're so great. And we just praise you for who you are. I pray, God, even now, God, that the minds of um, everyone here will be ready to receive from your word. Father, we'll be challenged and changed, God, into who you want us to be, that our desires, Lord, will be your desires, that we'll be able to run and not be weary, and we'll be able to walk and not faint. And we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, today we're going to talk about going for God. And our series is Go for God. And last week, Pastor Che did such a good job, and he told us to go fish. And the main point was that fishers fish, followers fish. Followers become fishers and fishers fish. You can't fish if you're not a fisher, right? Amen. So last week we talked about what the great commission was. And that was in Matthew 28, verse 19. And this is where Jesus, the the last words that he said to them, was he said, go ye therefore into all the earth, teaching and making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, this is called the Great Commission. And the reason it's called a commission is because there's a mission that we have to cooperate with. And the Great Commission was Jesus' last command. Now, I'm not sure if you have children, but the last command should be the first priority. What have I told you last to do is still what is on my mind for you to do right now. So if I said to you, heaven, go and clean your room. What I told you last week is not relevant. Right now, I want you to go clean your room. Well, I want to go and play. No, go clean your room. I want to go visit so-and-so. No, clean your room. And it's the same thing with Jesus. His last command is still his first priority. He's still trying to get us to do the last thing he said for us to do, which is to go fish. Amen? So I want to just do a quick review. And I only have 15 minutes to work this out. But you know, you got the right one today. Because I can do it. Amen. I can do all things through Christ. I love this right here. Hear no evil. See no evil. Speak no evil. Have no fun. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Praise God. All right. (laughs) Okay. What we're going to talk about last week, we talked about some of the reasons. One of the reasons uh, that pastor wanted me to highlight for you, even though he's not supposed to talk about any church. He wanted me to let you know. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. If you turn there real quickly. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. And so the, one of the main reasons that we're supposed to go fish, we're supposed to go reach others for Christ, is because, of course, it was his first, it's the last commission. It's a great, um, the first priority for Jesus. But then also, here's a real good reason. The Bible says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. In other words, there is a God of this world that is blinding the eyes of people to the light of the gospel. We have an adversary. We have someone who does not want God to draw people unto him. So what he does is he brings confusion. He sends thoughts. He sends situations. He sends circumstances to just try and circumvent the gospel. But we learned last week that people will not hear unless there's a preacher. 
And a preacher doesn't mean you have to be an ordained person. It just means someone who is bearing the good news of the gospel. And so what we have to do is realize that there are people out there who need to hear the light of the gospel because only the light of the gospel can shed through darkness and break that stronghold. And so we are those ministers of reconciliation we learned last week. That we have a ministry to do. We have a responsibility. So first we have the reason is that he has a, we have a command to do it. The next thing is we have a responsibility to do it. Our responsibility is because we are ministers of reconciliation. Meaning that it is God's will that all should be saved. Because it's his will, we are the vessels by which he uses to communicate them. And then finally there's a reward. There's spiritual rewards and there are natural rewards when we obey God. The spiritual rewards and natural rewards. So, what is the things that hinder us from sharing Christ? Some of the things that hinder us from sharing Christ is ignorance. We just don't know how. We just don't know how. The next thing is that we have intimidation. We're afraid of the reaction of others. So sometimes we don't want to say anything because we're kind of scared of how they're going to respond to us. So we kind of back away from it. The next thing is inferiority. Sometimes we feel less than the person we're ministering to. For example, sometimes we may feel, I can't really ask my doctor to come to church. I really can't ask my doctor and tell him about Jesus. Because who am I? We feel less than. We feel that we compare ourselves to somebody else and don't think that we're smart enough. Maybe we have a speech impediment and don't think, you know, that we can communicate well enough. And maybe, you know, we compare ourselves to pastor and we say, but he really knows what he's doing. He's studied. He kind of has a confidence. And so we feel inferior, so we don't do it. Then the last thing is we, we're introspective. We feel that all this bringing others to Jesus anyway is about us. Because we're going to look crazy anyway. And we don't want to look dumb. Like, there's like, uh, what kind of, you talking about who, Jesus? So we kind of make it about us and we, we don't make it about him. So these are the things that make us sometimes not want to share the gospel. Well, today we're going to break those, those hindrances, right? We are going to go wild and going wild just means we have to get out of our comfort zone. It just means we have to get out the status quo. It means we just have to break out of what is normal and comfortable and you know, what we're used to. And so we need boldness. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 1, the righteous are bold as a lion. Bold. That means we're not ashamed. The Bible says we are not ashamed. The Bible there declares that Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before the father. So we cannot afford to be embarrassed by the gospel. We cannot be afford to be ashamed of the good news because it's good news that Jesus would have come and died and set to save us and to redeem us and to heal us and to make things better for us. That's the good news. Good news to somebody who's broke is God can make you wealthy. You know why? If you obey his principles, he says that there's a system of sowing and reaping. Good news to somebody who is sick is God can heal you. The Bible declares that he healed blind eyes. He raised people from the dead. Paralytic people walked. He can heal you. So the Bible declares that this salvation stuff, this Jesus stuff is good. This is a good thing. Amen. Now here's the deal. You have to do something that's not comfortable. The only thing that are crooked, when you follow the path of release resistance, that's the thing that makes men and rivers crooked. So 
If you want to be crooked, just, just do what's least resistant. Just don't challenge you. If you're going to be straight, it's going to take a challenge. But I'm counting on you and Jesus is counting on you. Now, I want to, this is where I want to go today. Because this is so good. For those of you who are more mature in the faith, this is going to really, really, you're going to like this history lesson I'm going to give you. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at the longest conversation recorded in the Bible between Jesus and another individual. The longest conversation in the Bible. Go to John 4. Go to John 4. And I'm going to give you a lot of background because today we're doing what, what they call in Bible school. So I'm going to give you like some, you know, Bible school terms. So you feel like, you know, I'm into college today. In Bible school, this message is called an exegetical message. An exegetical message means when you take a long passage of scripture and you preach from that passage. You do a topical message when you have a topic and you get scriptures to support that topic. Right? And then you, you know, then you have the historical or whatever. But today it's exegetical because we're doing almost pretty much the whole chapter of John 4. All right, so the longest conversation Jesus ever had with another person was the, with the woman at the well in Samaria. Jesus had a long conversation with a female. Check it out. I mean, he was, he was wild. I like him. I like the revolutionary people, you know what I mean? Every good girl likes a guy with a little wildness in him. Just a little. <laughs> and that's what I'm telling you. That's what makes Jesus so great. Amen. He's just, he's just got it. All right, here's the thing. I am going to give you the history of it because I don't want to um, read all of it because it is, it is long. So John 4, and I'm going to tell you what happened. A long, long, long time ago, way back in the day, there was a big fight. Solomon had a son, and his name was Rehoboam or whatever. Okay, we're going to call him Ray Ray. He had a son, his name was Ray Ray. <laughs> He didn't want to kind of follow the Lord and there's this big fight and Israel was one nation with 12 tribes. They got split. You know, you have a family issues, it got split. So two of them, Benjamin and Joseph, Judah, Judah and Benjamin became Judea, right? And they were of the Northern kingdom. And then you had the southern kingdom, which was called, still called Israel. And that was the rest of the tribes. I mean, you know, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, all of those people that you don't really know. Uh, anyway, the majority of them stayed on the bottom in the south. Now, Judea was where Jerusalem was, the capital. Now, in between Judea and Israel was Samaria. All right? This is what it's like today. Fort Worth. It's Israel. It's kind of hot. You know, got some cowboys, some desert things going on down there. It's kind of dry. Then you got Dallas. You know, they just really think they, they, they got it all going on. Two of them up there. But right in the middle is Arlington. So you're with me geographically? So, okay, so this is what was happening. The Bible says that Jesus was going to Judea. He was going to Jerusalem. It was an actually about a 60-mile walk which was two and a half days journey for them. So he's getting ready. And what would happen is there was such racial and ethnic tension between Samaria and the Israelites, the Jews, because of all of them. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Long, long time ago, the Samarians, when the, when the kingdom got split, when the kingdom got split, the top area um, that had more, what you call like, 
fertile land and all this kind of stuff attracted a lot of trade. When the trade people came in, um, it also caused a lot of intermarrying and breeding. The Assyrians at one point ended up taking over those people and they planted five tribes in there to repopulate as well. Hence, Jesus says, yes, you've had five husbands. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. But what happened? So these people in the Jews' minds, they were not purebred Jews. They're half-breed. Kind of like me. Mutt. Mulatto. Mixed up. Whatever you want to call it. Right? Cajun. Okay? So you have, they're mixed up. And so because of that, they, the Sumerians only believed in the five book of Moses. They didn't believe in Isaiah, the book of you know, Solomon, those kind of things. Well, they, the Jews believed that the Sumerians didn't have a pure religion and they weren't purebred. And because of that, they were unclean. So they did not want to go through Samaria. They would cross the Jordan and go around Samaria the long way instead of just going through. Jesus was like, man, this is a 60-mile walk. I'm going straight through this place. Okay? Then he comes upon, you know, the well. And the Bible says he was thirsty. And it was the sixth hour, which means it was lunchtime, which was really good. Because the Bible says also he had sent them out to get something to eat. So it's lunchtime. And here comes this lady. And she comes up on, you know, to the well. And he says to her, will you give me a drink? First problem. If he drinks from what she is, from her um, clay pot, he is now ceremonially unclean. Because he cannot drink from an unclean person. So that's the first thing he's going wild on. Look at her, I'm thirsty. I need some water. Give it to me. All right. So then she goes and she says, hold up, hold up. Maybe you forgot. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You know, you're rich. I don't live in the highlands. You know, you're a doctor. I'm just a patient. Hey, you're Hispanic. I'm Chinese. Maybe you forgot. We don't associate with each other. Maybe you don't see that we don't associate with each other. He says, I'm a Samaritan. Not only that, I'm a woman. Based on it, a a woman not supposed to have the kind of intelligence to talk to a rabbi like you anyhow. I don't have the education. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have what it takes to even have this conversation with you. Did you forget? She says, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Racial tension, ethnic tension. Jesus talks to her and he says, you know what? If you know the gift of God, you'd have asked me and I'd give you living water. Man, you, you not, you're not even getting this. It had nothing to do with you or me. You see me over here in Samaria, the first thing, when you see me here in Samaria at the well, that should tell you a sign that I'm different anyhow. I'm not like everybody else. I'm bold enough to come and say, hey, you know, I can come through the city without being, uh, you know, worrying about what other people think. So then verse 13. Jesus says, whoever drinks this water, I'll give him never thirst. She says, sir, give me this water. She's, you know, he says, give me this water. And then she, he says, hey, go call your husband. She says, uh, I don't have no husband. Because then again, if you are going to talk to a female as a male in public, your husband needed to have been there. So he is, I mean, he is just breaking every rule. He is breaking every rule and every restraint because he has got a plan. He has got an end in mind. And so here it is. She goes, I don't have any husbands. He goes, 
You're right. Now, now look how Jesus bust her out. I mean, he just bust her out. The good thing is the Bible didn't say everybody else was around her because I'd have been like, Jesus. He says, um, you're right when you say you don't have no husband. The truth is, girl, you had five husbands. Five. And the one that you in now, and he didn't say the one. He said the man you with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. I, you know, well, I mean, she's kind of figuring out, okay, you're in the middle of some area here. You ask me for a drink. You're a rabbi. You're about to get unclean. I'll just tell you anyway. I don't have no husband, you know? And so he says, right, true. She says, I can see you are a prophet. <laughs> you are a prophet. If you can tell me all about my business, you don't to the amount of husbands and that I am with a man that's not my husband. What, what else do you have to say? So here it is. Like last week, Pastor Che had talked about how the, the, the disciples had had an encounter with Jesus on the boat. Remember, they were going and they were fishing. And he said, hey, cast your net on the other side. And then all the fish came in and the nets broke. And he called them and said, follow me. And he said, you know, they, they went on their way. Same thing is happening here. She's having an encounter with Jesus. This is what's happening. She has this encounter with Jesus. And they go on and they talk about, you know, the worship and that kind of stuff. Verse 28. Are you in verse 28? Then leaving her water jar, just like they left their nets. This is, a, this is where you know women are called to ministry. Just like he called the disciples. And they had left all their fishing nets to go follow him. She left her water pot. Same pattern. First recorded that Jesus called a woman. Then look what she did. She dropped the water pot. And they went back to the town. And said to the people, come see a man and who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She goes and she talks to male, female. She didn't even care. She was like, this encounter is so great that I've got to tell somebody about it. She goes back to the whole town and she says, hey, come see this guy here. And the disciples urge him, Rabbi, eat something. He says, man, I got that. Man, I don't even need no food right now. We're in the middle of a, we're in the middle of a revival. I don't need nothing to eat. And so then, you know, so th this is what starts happening now. So she goes back and, whoo, I tell you, I tell you, she goes back over there and, oh, Lord Jesus. When she goes, um, the Bible says here that they came back out to hear him. And when they came back out to hear him, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. That's what the Bible says. It says, we no longer believe him just based on what you've said. We have heard him and believed on ourselves. And so what I want to tell you, if you wait for all the conditions to be right, if you wait for everything to be proper, you won't do anything. What I like about this is that the story doesn't end there. Jesus Went wild in that he broke barriers. I want to challenge you. Is your encounter with Jesus great enough for you to break the racial barrier? Is your encounter with Jesus big enough for you to break a cultural barrier? It doesn't even have to be racial. It can be cultural. You can, somebody can be from New York and somebody from Texas. That's two very different cultures. Yes? But are you going, well, he's, he, you know, they, they're not from out of town. I mean, they're from out of town, so, you know. We can't get them in our group. Is your encounter with Christ deep enough that you will reach out and minister to somebody else that's not like you?
Will you go wild for God? And don't care what anybody thinks. Will you go wild for God? And don't care if somebody says, well, man, look, look who they're talking to. Let me tell you what pastor did one day. He was at a um, gas station and he saw somebody put in uh, $3 worth of gas. You know, when they have the, the lawnmower red can thing, right? So they, the, when he looked at their bill, it was $3. So he went inside and he said, hey, I'm going to put um, $40, give you $40. And you, you know, tell that guy that he can go fill up his old tank. So the guy was like, no, 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 no. So Evan said to him, he said, no, I mean, I want to be a blessing to you. Go ahead and fill your whole tank up instead of doing the $3. You know, he said, I can't take it from you. I promise you. He, he, said, he said, I'm a Jehovah witness. He said, I'm a Jehovah witness. I, 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 that's fine. There was another guy who was doing the very same thing behind him. And he said, oh, okay. Well, I'll fill up your car. And he said, oh, I'll receive it. <laughs> he, Evan gave him one of our church cards and he came the very next Sunday. I'm saying he was willing to go beyond the norm. It doesn't matter what the response you get. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to sow the seed. The Bible says that one will plant, another will water, but God gives the increase. And so that person ended up coming and visiting our church because of the wild action of pastor to do something different. And he didn't stop just because he got rejected and went, see, I was trying to reach somebody for the Lord. And they told me no. You see, no, it would be me. I'd be like, I'm a Jehovah witness too. I witness about Jehovah all the time. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sharma, Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah Nise, Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Rapha. I mean, I, 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 I do Jehovah too. <laughs> I, I can witness on anybody. <laughs> oh that woman began a revolution. Let me tell you how important this was. The book Bible says in Acts 1.8. So remember, this happened in John. Samaria, Samaria wasn't in the picture before. Because they were unclean, right? The Bible declares in Acts 1 verse 8 that Jesus said to them, Go and be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. From he got that group of believers, that became a, a turning point for Samaria. No longer did he command or was the law able to command him to avoid Samaria. They know how to, had to deal with Samaria. And that was an example to G, that Jesus was setting for the disciples and for us. That what other people call unclean. What other people deem different. It's not your responsibility to judge it. They need Christ just like everybody else needs Christ. Then the Bible says in Acts 8 and 9 that the Samarians ended up receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and churches were planted and established in Samaria because of one woman who decided, I don't care if I had five husbands. I don't care if I look crazy. I don't care what I feel like. I'm going to go back and say, look here, see a man who told me all what I did. I'm going to go and testify to my doctor and say, let me invite you to a church that's changing my life. My marriage was tore up, but boy, we're still here together. We may be barely holding 
holding on. But that pastor keep telling me that God is not a God of divorce. And boy, we got to stick with it. Oh, let me invite you to a place that is changing my, 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 my work. It's telling me that if I declare and if I stand on the word that all things are possible. Come, let me talk to you about this guy named Jesus who has transformed my life where I used to sin and be on crack and smoke and prostitute and just do all that stuff. Now I no longer do those things. Come, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Let me go beyond the norm. Let me press. Let me get out of the square. Let me just not be in a religious mindset anymore. I am willing to go wild for God. He's been too good to me. Hey, let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you about this guy who's changing my life. I didn't have no direction, but now I do. I used to be party over here, party over there. That's what you got to do. Go beyond the norm. Find somebody different. Do something different. Go wild for God. You never know that your action of going wild can live on chapters later. To where churches are established because you decided you were going to beat the status quo. You were going to tell somebody about Jesus. You don't know if that person will become a missionary. You don't know if that person will become a law legislator. You don't know if that person will. I mean, can you imagine if you just went to your councilman and he ended up becoming born again? And he could change laws and effect change where we don't have all this crazy stuff going on. Can you imagine if the person that, you're, that, you're, that you reached out to at the gas station or at the Starbucks or in the dental office or in the doctor's office, wherever it is, that that person, their child could become the, the next pastor of the biggest church in the world. You never know what your one action can do. So today I'm challenging you. You know, get rid of all the hangups. You know, Paul says, you know, I don't mind looking foolish for God. I'd be made a fool for God. For when he is strong is when I'm weak. So who cares? Anyway, we only perform in front of an audience of one. We only really care about the approval and the applause of God. And if he's happy, then it don't matter if somebody's like, I don't want you to, I, 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 don't, I don't want to hear what you have to say. You know what? I'm with you, sir. You know, I just want to invite you to a church that's changing my life. If you can't get out the whole Jesus spill, because maybe if you're intimidated or you're insecure or whatever those things are, you got to remember the righteous are bold as a lion. So you just stand up and you just say, I want to tell you about this Lord, this Jesus that I serve and what he's done for me. The woman's testimony, they drew them out because they're going, she must have had an encounter that she would have come back and tell everybody what, what really happened with this man. Because she didn't start telling, I mean, they all knew her business. They just won't say nothing. They all knew her business. But finally, she was like, you know what? They knew my business. First of all, why is she the only recorded woman at that time? Why is she the only recorded woman at that time of the well? You know why? Everybody knew her business. Nobody want to associate with her anyway. Because if it was not so, they would have said at the time when the woman went to draw, it would have been different. But she was there by herself. So you may be an outcast, but your outcast testimony is what's going to bring it. You may have had five husbands. You may have had five baby daddies. 
You may have had five jobs. You're going from job to job to job. That doesn't make you who you are. Who you are is based upon your encounter with Christ and what he sees you. And he sees you worthy enough to go through Samaria to go get you. So you tell the world, he saw me worthy enough to come get me from wherever he got you. Amen? Amen. You know, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you are here this morning and you need that encounter with Jesus, you know, it's...